Ciao ragazzi and welcome to another edition of Serie A Sit Down, World Football Index's podcast of Calcio. Told like it is, I'm Frank Cravello, he's Richard Carmen. Ciao Richard. Ciao Frank, how are we doing tonight? We're doing great. We're doing How's your great. voice? How's your voice? Because I know you were busy last night. <laughs> yeah, still got still got the voice. Uh, I've got enough voice in me to get what get through one more of these, so uh, so let's do it. Uh, if, and, and Richard's referring to my appearance. Um, on Milan Weekly Podcast uh, with Vinny and Steve, uh, an unprecedented third appearance. No one's ever had more appearances as a guest uh, on Milan Weekly Podcast. Uh, so <laughs> I am uh, I am at the top of the perch. Uh, look right up, as they said. <laughs> so the guests can all look right up at me. I'm I'm uh, putting myself over just a little too much. Uh, but I had to keep the background. Yeah, no, it's good. Good, live you know, up your background. I like. Yep, it. in celebration of the uh, Derby victory for the uh, for the Rossoneri. But how are you? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, busy weekend, um, and uh, week is certainly not busy so far. So yeah, Champions League's back. I'm excited. Um, Derby yeah. win. Couldn't be any more happier. Uh, so yeah, uh, I'm gonna live. I'm gonna live as long as I can because uh, I'm sure the, it's not gonna be all happy come the weekend. So. Yep. Oh, oh yeah. Your uh, your your Schalke boys with the uh, yeah. the Riviera Dar- Derby. So, though Jerry's uh, boys did a good number on them today. We'll get to that. Yeah, we will get to that. We're going to talk about what went down in Champions League action today a little bit later on the podcast. We'll preview Wednesday's games again and uh, maybe get you set up for uh, some Europa League on Thursday. Um, of course, the uh, ever growing in popularity, who won Calcio Twitter, and I I went through, and, and Richard was far. Uh, busier than I was in uh, getting the nominees going with that, which is a good thing because we have a boatload of them to go through again. My goodness, uh, they came out in colors, especially during that Napoli game. <laughs> oh, absolutely. So, uh, so we've got um, we've got that to filter through. We'll do that a little bit later on. Uh, but uh, let's uh, get right down to business, Richard, and talk about what went down in that Derby della Madonnina on Saturday. Yeah, that was uh, obviously a big game, an epic game. Um, we knew it was going to be uh, a true test to see what Inter are made of and what Milan are made of. Uh, two big clubs, obviously with form, it doesn't really matter in this game. Um, and we we had we had an interesting game, no doubt about it. Let's get with the lineups first. Uh, first for the home club, Inter uh, in goal, Samir Handanovic, as you would expect. Uh, they went with a back three, an interesting back three of the Ambrosio, De Vrij, and Kolarov. You had a midfield five of Hakimi. Uh, Brozovic, Vidal, Perisic, and Barella. And then up top, you had, of course, Lukaku and Laturo. Uh, first off, for the for the home squad, what did you make of the of the, the lineup, in particular the defense? Um, well, I mean, it's a strong it's a strong lineup any way you look at it. But I think what we were talking about uh, in the build up to it is please start Kolarov as as a Milan fan. Um, <laughs> you know, because we've been harping on this ever since uh, that move was made to enter that he you have him in there for his set piece prowess, but his his defensive qualities are far behind him, um, you know. So you definitely, um, you definitely like seeing that. D'Ambrosio, I actually think he's better on the right side of a back three than he is as a right fullback. Now he he now that's not a stretch because he's not very good as a fullback. So <laughs> um, you know, so it was uh, it was the back three that you know maybe they had to play out of necessity with the issue with COVID and. You know, hey, everybody's going to probably have to work through this, you know, to some degree, to some capacity. 
um, you know, as the season goes on. So it's just it's a shame that, you know, at least in Inter's case, you know, as far as maybe putting up the quality that they have for the for back three uh, to not have it available for this derby. I don't but I, I also go back and, and think about it. I don't really know what kind of difference Bastoni makes. Um, you know, Skriniar probably would have offered some quality. Uh, you know, back there, and 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 maybe things were going to be a little bit different, but I don't know if there's if if what they started is too much of a departure from what their other options were. That's a, that's a fair. Uh, I I do I I think Bastoni and Skriniar probably bring a mess, not massive, a, a lot more of an upgrade than what is there. Uh, Kolarov is just a a shit show waiting to happen, and especially defensively, offensively, obviously he's got some little bit of skill left. Uh, and D'Ambrosio is just he is what he is, but. Let me put this to bed, bed to rest real quick because a lot of Interisti were saying, oh, we had a weekend lineup, we had COVID, blah, blah, blah. This is a pretty strong lineup. Yeah, it Just is. Defense aside, Hakimi, who's freaking fantastic. Brozovic is a Milan killer. Vidal is always good. Perisic is good. Barella is a freaking Azuri star. And then Marturo, Arturo and Lukaku are freaking their top dogs. So yeah. don't give me that, oh, we're, we're hurt. Yeah, you're not hurt. You had a strong lineup. It Was, was it your best lineup? No, but it was like A-. minus. Come on now. So I don't want to hear that, you know, talk by them. But um, that defensive uh, choice, uh, it did leave me hit scratching. The rest of that lineup I thought was fair, very strong, as I said. And, um, you know, to counter that, Milan came out with Donnarumma. Uh, back four of Calabria, Chiar, Romagnoli was back. Uh, and then Teo Hernandez obviously left back. And obviously people were going to talk about Teo versus Hakimi all matchup long. In the midfield, you had Benacer, Kessier, uh, and then... Uh, Salamaker, excuse me, and then at the top you had uh, Chalinolu, Liao, and Ibrahimovic. Uh, probably one of the better lineups they could feel uh, for Milan's case. Everyone's healthy. Everyone's back from COVID, including Zlatan. Yeah, he had a four-two-three-one there. I think that you know you'd probably, if he was available, you would have liked uh, Rebic um, up there with with Ibra. You know, two man. It's it's something that they've done in the past, but you know that's not available. Um, so, uh, but I think that this is a this is a strong team because it has it has qualities to be able to nullify what Inter wants to do going forward in in certain spots, um, and then you have you're able to counter through guys like Ibra. Uh, Liao has some creativity to him and can run at people and can dribble and things like that. And I think that that's essential to have if you're gonna, you know, play that sort of style and and have something that has have someone that has some different dynamics and. Um, you know, and, and Salamakers, which, you know, Stevie and, and Vinny and I talked about last night, he is growing and growing and growing into his role in this team. Um, so that definitely was uh, out of what was available to Milan, maybe the best that they could have uh, that they could have put out there. Yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right. And I think you guys uh, last night had a great, great points done that, you know, you would think Inter would try to challenge Calabria on the right-hand side, but between him and, and Salamakers, uh, they didn't even attempt that, really. It was really they're going after Teo Hernandez, which is you know beyond me, too. I agree with everything you guys were saying. Um, and you know, to their credit, Liao really wasn't helping defensively, so I can see why they're trying to exploit that. But uh, Milan did a great job overall, I think. Uh, for me, yeah. uh, you know, we'll get to the, the, how the game went, but um, you know, the, the lineup that they had, especially in the midfield, I thought was very good. Uh, Salamakers, to your guys' point last night, uh, he's really starting to adjust to Serie A very quickly, uh, and it's good to see because he's starting to come more and more to this lineup. He's is he is what who we want at right wing, not necessarily, but he's better than what we could have at the moment. I mean, Castillejo has been up and down, and I mean, who else are you going to put until Hauga gets to get his get his feet wet uh, in Serie A? We won't know what to, what to expect from him. So, um, yeah, good lineup, a strong lineup, and obviously Zlatan, he's a big game performer. And uh, yeah, the the fireworks started early. 
Uh, it was pretty, you know, it looked like a heavyweight bout, heavyweight bout, excuse me, uh, early on. Um, we weren't sure who's going to get the first goal, but uh, Milan will get the first uh, attack where uh, Zlatan will get uh, will get the ball, had a defender on him, and I forget who the defender was who, who tackled him, but he made a nice move on him. Gets draws a foul. It's Kolarov, of course. Kolarov, Kolarov yeah. Uh, fouls him in the box. Uh, Ibra did a good job of, I mean, I, I thought he was too slow on that play because he should have got the shot off, but it obviously worked out. He got a penalty. Uh, first off, was it a penalty for you? Oh, that was definitely a penalty. Yeah, um, I think it was. I mean, there's no doubt about it. I mean, it's 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 smart running from Ibra off the ball to set it up, kind of get in between um, Devray and and Kolarov there, and and get himself in a situation where you know he can exploit Kolarov, and that's exactly what they did with the through pass. And he's running, Kolarov's recovering, and get in the penalty area. Um, and then uh, Ibra's trying to create some space for a shot, and Kolarov trips him up. So, yep. uh, exactly why we say Kolarov can't defend because he got exposed there. Yeah, and uh, in Tarisi around the world were screaming their head, they're pulling their hair out because of freaking Kolarov, and Milan fans were celebrating because of that. Uh, so Ibrahimovic steps up for the penalty. Uh, it gets saved by Handanovic, but he gets a rebound quickly, put pounces back of the net. Yep. Uh, just like that, Milan are up one nothing, and before he could say uh, Derby victory. Just five minutes later, or maybe three minutes later, Ibrahimovic gets yeah. another goal. Uh, wonderful play that started from the back where Salamakers made a beautiful turn past the defender. Yep. Uh, ends up getting it to Liao on the left-hand side. He crosses it in, and Ibra with a fantastic finish. 2 nothing, just like that. Very reminiscent of what we saw in in last uh, second half of the last season uh, in the Derby. So 2 nothing off the bat, Frank. Uh, you had to be jumping for joy. Yeah, it was exciting. Um, you know, I thought that those first... And and maybe a few minutes after that, I thought those first twenty minutes were relatively balanced. You know, you know, Inter was uh, Inter was probing, uh, and they're particularly probing on the right hand side through Hakimi. Uh, you know, where Milan were trying to counter, hit on the break, and try to create some things. Um, you know, but it was uh, you know, boom, boom, get out to a quick two goal lead. It puts you as as Steve's pointing out worst lead in sports is two nil early. You know, I, I, I'll say that uh, a two goal lead is the most dangerous lead to have at any point in the game. Um, yeah. Except maybe in the dying embers of a game where, you know, and, and even then it's not safe um, because it's now you're, and especially that early in the game. Now Milan has to make a decision and Pioli has to make a decision. Do we impose ourselves in hopes of getting a third uh, or do we say, Hey, this is, this is good enough. This should get us through if we're smart. Uh, and we try to ride this thing out. So you're in that delicate balance that you're going for a third, but you don't want to concede one. Uh, and that's, and especially that early in the game, that's where Milan find that found themselves. It was, it was a beautiful counterattack. It's, Brilliant. it's my goal. It's my goal of the week. Okay. Um, yeah. Uh, just of how clinical it was all the way around the turn from Salamakers. Oh, beautiful. Um, and then, you know, just the, the presence of mind for Chalanolu to quickly swing the ball over to Leao, where he's left 1v1 with D'Ambrosio, and that is where Leao's quality – you just wish Leao's more consistent. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, he he almost – he damn near broke D'Ambrosio's ankles. Good morning, George, or good evening. Um, he damn near broke D'Ambrosio's ankles, and you could see right away as that play was developing, where's Zebra going? He's going on the back shoulder. He's going on the blind spot of Kolarov. And uh, the first second that I said, I said when when, when Leo once he got past him, he said clip it in, just get it curled, 
you know, across that back line. And it was, it was pinpoint. Uh, Ibra finishes it. Um, this was my goal of the week. So, um, just the nature of it, how quickly to get out, to get after it and get that second goal after getting the first and, and leave into rocking a little bit. Yeah. Uh, and that's a very good point. And, but I was, I was, I was well, happy as I was, I was very hesitant because I remember all too well what happened last year. We went up to nothing yeah. early and it came back to bite us. So we couldn't hold that lead and, and Inter came and stormed back. And that was my biggest worry after that to see how the team would react. Uh, it didn't take Inter very long to react. It took him uh, maybe just uh, 13 minutes later. Uh, poor defensive marking uh, Lukaku pretty pretty much had a tap in on the 29th minute uh, for the goal. Uh, 2-1 just like that. And I'm like, oh, here we go. What's going to happen? Uh, but uh, you know, uh, despite all the action, it was, it, was a, it was a very fun, entertaining first half. It didn't end up 2-1 at, at halftime. Um, for the most part, I thought it was a fairly even bout at that point. Um, you know, obviously Hikimi was all over Teo in the first half uh, yeah. for good reason. But for overall, I think it was pretty even overall. And two one was, a, I think, a deserved scoreline uh, going into halftime. Yeah, I a few things that I, I took note of from what I saw in the first half. Um, you know, first of all, the goal that Milan conceded was—I mean, that was a total team switch off. Um, Kolarov starts coming forward with the ball, and it was a moment where. It looked like nobody in the red and black knew what to do. Should somebody confront him? Should everybody sit? You know, and it caught everybody flat-footed enough, especially Calabria, um, to start with, to allow uh, Perisic to get in behind him and get to a ball. And then when he put the ball across, um, you know, it's it's Calabria for getting, you know, for 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 allowing Perisic to get behind him. Teo's positioning. Um, I think where he is is fine, but he's not in a spot where he can step in and clear the the ball coming across from Perisic. He's got his back to Lukaku. He's got his back to anybody else coming in. If you can arrive there early, it's really hard. In, in, in the flow of play, this is something that's really hard for defenders to do. But they've got, you know, if there's a way, just the last couple steps to just turn yourself so that you can see the ball as it's getting ready to come across, you can see where your man is in that situation because Lukaku does a nice job, much like Ibrahimovic getting on the blind side of, of Kolarov. Lukaku does well to get on the blind side of Teo. And if Teo turns himself a little bit with those last couple steps, he might have a chance of attacking that cross and getting it away. Um, you know, so I mean, it was a complete switch off where Milan were forced to react one pass after the next. It was, it was one of the poorest uh one of the more poor defensive moments that they had um you know so when you look at you look at that um Benacer is tasked with man marking but I, and I thought that was a brilliant move by Pioli yeah um he and you knew it right off the bat and I said this on the pod, on Milan weekly pod last night I said 5 minutes in uh Barella went chasing a ball in the left hand corner that you think okay Calabria will go deal with that and Benacer is tracking it, um, and that right that tells you right off the bat. Okay, we've got man marking on Barella with with Benacer. Um and I thought that was smart because you get you you get around him and you get close to him when he's got the ball. When you get to him, you how did he, you know what did he do in the Italy game? He got space and he played a curling diagonal ball for Pellegrini to score against the Netherlands. Beautiful. Beautiful. You know he's capable of those kinds of passes, and if you get room and if you don't get to him, he's going to pull you apart. And with the dynamics 
that they have up front with Lotaro and Lukaku, you can't afford to let a player like Barella have that space to play those kind of passes or even Hakimi coming forward. So I thought that was smart. You know, Benacer's really only mistake defensively when he dealt with Barella was uh, Barella's chance on goal because it originated about 25 yards from goal or something like that. And Benacer went reaching for a ball um, and Barella was able to sidestep him. And then I think he did a, a, a give and go or a one-two with Lukaku, yep. uh, got the ball back, and then Donnarumma made the save. That was the only moment where Benacer tripped up in that assignment. Um, you know, so it, it made Barella for it made Barella a non-factor throughout the derby, um, and it was a a great decision by Pioli. Hey, Lisi's in the house. How you doing, Lisi? Uh, yeah, no, it was a it was a great performance there by Benacer. Uh, I thought uh, in terms to Teo to Anthony's point, he did get a little bit exposed. Obviously, Akimi is a freaking uh, you know dynamic player that who uh, who can you know get up on the on the attack, and Teo had trouble with him. But also Lukaku, you know, nor in the in the past. A player like Lukaku doesn't have the speed. He's bulky. He's strong, but he's lost a lot of weight. And yeah. you know, I could have bet anybody all kinds of money that Teo was faster than Lukaku. Didn't look like it uh, no. on, uh, at the Derby. Um, granted, Teo is probably faster with the ball than he is without the ball. But I mean, he kept trying to go shoulder to shoulder with Lukaku, uh, and he kept losing that battle. And obviously, Lukaku is a big, strong man. You're not going to be able to take him down unless you're freaking Frank Kessie. Uh, so you know, he tried his best. And you know, to your guys' credit, last night. He needs help, especially yeah. when there's attackers like that. And Leao or whomever's in the midfield needs to help out. Benacero was doing his job on Barella. You know, he, he needs a little bit more help defensively in that kind of spec. Because you looked at the right side, Calabria had a really strong game. He's had a strong for, you know, start to the season. But he's getting help from Salamakers. Salamakers is tracking back all the yeah. time. And that's where that goal, the second goal, led up because he got it from the defensive end, made that turn, and then off we go on the counterattack. So. Yeah. Um, if they can balance that out, I think they're going to be a really difficult team to beat. They are as they are right now, but two um, one and uh, coming out of halftime, start to the second half. Um, I mean, was, just let me let me jump. Yeah, in. Yeah, Sorry, please, let me please, jump please. in real quick about Tao. I think I tweeted about every ten minutes uh, throughout the match. Tao has been poor. Tao has been poor. Tao has been poor. You know, the, the more I've been able to digest it, uh, even after last night. I mean, I think he got so overworked defensively that it impacted what he could do when we, when we went forward. And his technique and, you know, his decision-making in certain spots was fine. His technique was so poor. I mean, he had under, he under hit passes. He couldn't connect anything. Um, you know, he couldn't combine with forwards or anything like that. And I think it was just, that was a product of being so overrun defensively because Inter overloaded that side so much and left him, um, you know, left him vulnerable that there wasn't anything for him to give when, when it was the, when the opportunities were there for him to go forward. Yeah. No, uh-huh. I agree about that 100%. Uh, and then in the second half, we wanted I wanted to see, you know, can Milan keep this up defensively? Uh, what would Inter get into the next gear that we were fully expecting like they did last year? Uh, and it was a good back-and-forth game. Uh, to Stevie's point, uh, Frank Kessier was just a monster in that game. Yeah. Uh, really helped out with Lukaku a lot. I mean, the one person who could really, you know, just manhandle him, and it's just hard to say that against with Lukaku. Uh and overall, you know, teams are taking chances, you know, back and forth. Um, it was it was a very entertaining derby, I thought, overall. Um, we started seeing substitutions coming out. You just Salamakers for Castillejo. That's pretty common. We expected that. Liao was starting to make more mistakes than contribute, and they finally got him off for Krunic, a little bit defensive substitution there. Made sense. Um, I was happy when Brozovic came off for Ericsson because 
Brozovic has always been a Milan killer. So you get him off the pitch, uh, you know, you're thinking the, the opportunities to come back into the game is going to lessen. Uh, and then, uh, and then for me to that same, to the opposite note, um, Alexis Sanchez comes in, you know, late in the game, 84th minute or so. Um, I, I was worried about him. He he's, he's been a difference maker for inter. Uh, and I, I was afraid coming at the end of the game that he was going to find a way to get a, get that goal in uh, granted, Lukaku had a great opportunity in stoppage time, but Milan stout defensively. Kiar was great. Romagnoli was great. Calabria was great. Midfield was great. Uh, they just eked out a victory in the game. For me, man of the match is Frank Kessier, hands down. I just thought what the performance he had with Lukaku and everybody else, just what he did in that midfield, controlling it, for me, he was the best player in the game. What was your thoughts on how that game ended? Um, I'll look at it from the perspective of both teams. Um I think this was Brozovic's this has to, this had to have been Brozovic's worst derby. Um yeah, you yeah. know from, oh, from yeah. as far as I can remember. Uh it was it was right for him to get subbed off. He he didn't offer anything going forward and usually he's a threat. Uh he usually bosses the midfield the way Cassie bossed it. I I remember the game. I remember the derby a couple of seasons ago. Uh when we had Nima on afterward and talked about it and when Nangalan had to go out injured uh Brozovic just took the responsibility of of that yep. space and his um you know and he's done things like that or even or, or last February's derby where he hits that volley to bring Inter back into the game I mean he he does moments where he steps up in this game and this was clearly his worst derby um yep. you know so that was that was one thing um the uh, your your Cassie's a great shout. I thought Simon Kiar was outstanding, though. Um, I think that he had everybody composed. You know, he's exactly what you need back there. Now, if that's Musakio back there, we pro Milan probably lose this game three or four two because yeah. he doesn't have the experience, the composure, the calm that you know that goal that 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 Milan concede and it's two one. You know, to just get everybody together and say, hey, we're fine. This hap it happened. Let's just not give up another one, you know, where Musacchio is the bull in the China shop that gets booked or gets <laughs> or gets sent off, yeah. you know, because he's pressing now all of a sudden because he doesn't want to give up another one where Kiar plays with a hell of a lot more composure. Um, you know, so, I mean, if you you could coin flip between Kessie and Kiar as far as the best, you know, as far as the man of the match, and I, I, I won't fight you if you wanted to pick either one of those guys. I like your shot about Kiar because... Uh, we all know he's a little slow foot, right? Uh, and what, what he makes for is, you know, intelligence, positioning. Uh, we saw that a couple of times in the game where, where uh, Arturo or whomever, you know, tried to make a move around him, get around. And he just played it perfectly positionally and eventually stops and blocks a shot. You're like, where did he come from? How did he do that? It's smart intelligence there from, from Kiar. Um, and so some of that, you saw throughout the game. It wasn't just in the beginning yep. or in the middle. It was all throughout. And at the end, he was very clutch for them. So, yeah, great shot. I like it. One of those two players. Where Milan need to worry going forward one of the things that i noticed and this was something that i wrote down i think a couple of times when when the second half was going on um uh you know first of all the, the you know the first half was played at a very fast pace very technical uh yeah. good quality from both sides the second half was extremely choppy um a lot of cheap giveaways by both teams in dangerous areas i think there was a lot of fatigue there was a lot of late challenges that suggest to you it's fatigue players arriving late um, you know, so there's a lot of that going on, but you know, here's something that I noticed about Milan that, you know, that, that, that should concern Milan fans going forward, unless they figure out how to fix it. 
Um, Inter absolutely killed Milan in the second half at getting on the blind side of defenders in crossing situations. Absolutely killed them. Yeah. Um, you know, defenders are are ball watching and they're watching the crosser. Nobody sees Hakimi on his chance. Nobody sees Lukaku on his chance. Um, you know, and there are going to be teams that pick up on that and teams that love to cross the ball. I mean, Hellas Verona is coming up. Um, that is a team that will cross the ball. They don't have the talented striker that, that Inter do, but you know who does have the talent that, that has talented strikers? Sampdoria. And they're among the first 10 games. And what are they doing? They're serving balls in. This uh, this Algelo guy is is a revela- is a fine for them. Um, and they got Candreva. And, and guess who's in that penalty area? Uh, Quadrella and, and Gabbiadini. So, Let's ask uh, Jerry how they did uh, this weekend. <laughs> yeah, this is something that, this is something that Milan need to sort out um, because they were getting absolutely killed and yeah. it only needed, you know, and, and on a different day, Inter are scoring a lot of these chances and Milan are on the losing end of this derby. That's something that we shouldn't forget. Um, and as a result, I come away saying, you know, it's a great win. We should celebrate it. We should enjoy it. But Milan were a little lucky to get out of there with three points in the end. Exactly. And that's another thing, too. Like the Interista are talking about, oh, we're hurt by COVID, this and that. It's like, you guys could have won. You miss opportunities. Yeah. Lukaku missed opportunities. Barella, uh, Hakimi, a b- bunch of guys are missing opportunities. So you, they, Inter could have won the game or at least drew the game. So they kind of shot, shot themselves in the foot as well. So, I mean, Milan did well, no doubt about it. But Inter were there for the taking, I mean, for there to, to take Milan, and they just didn't get their opportunities. And, you know, it happens in the derby sometimes. But, you know, usually Milan are the ones who are on the, on the, on the wrong end of the scoreline first time what four years that they've gotten no victory so um yeah uh well, another thing i wanted to ask you a question was the referee yeah. a lot of, a lot of comments have been made about the referee he let mm. a lot of things go as you you would expect in the derby yeah um uh, what were you th- what were your thoughts about that because i actually liked it uh, especially there's a i know the play that sticks in my mind is when um teo and lukaku are going shoulder to shoulder they take each other out no call it shouldn't have been because mm-hmm. they're both going for the ball i yep. like that what were your thoughts on that too lenient, not what, what do you let him play. Let him play. Yeah, I agree. I'm a big fan. Hey, let him play. I hate the whistles, know? constant whistles. Um, takes the flow out of the game completely. There's nothing more annoying than a referee that makes it about himself. Yeah, you know, um, Lisey's in here, he's our resident, he's our resident referee, and I hope he agrees. I thought with you were us. gonna say he was known for that. <laughs> no, I haven't seen him, I haven't seen him referee to, to pass that kind of judgment. So, um, given how he Given how he likes to try to fight with me on Twitter, sometimes I think he does make it about himself in games. But again, I've never seen <laughs> Look, him ref. Hi, Michael. He, he likes yeah, he likes yeah. him letting play. So good. Yeah, love that. <laughs> love that he let him play. Yeah, absolutely. It's a derby. Let these guys yeah. play. Yeah. You know, you, certain things that it's okay to let go. Um, I found it, and Michael, I want to get your take. Michael, if you're in chat, just answer this. What I want is your take on the no penalty call uh, on the VAR review. Um, it's it, it that brought up a little bit of controversy. Now, to me, I found that to just be the strictest interpretation of the offside law, uh, just because that yeah, it originated with Erickson trying to play a ball while Lukaku was in an offside position. There's no question about that, but it caroms off of a couple of Milan players. And the question is, you know, is he offside anymore because of Milan's involvement with the ball, or do you, I mean. Like I said, when I said it on Milan Weekly Pod last night, I said that to me was the strictest, yeah. you know, and, and this is what led to the penalty. The penalty was, you know, Donnarumma bringing Lukaku down, which, you know, 
that was 50-50, whether or not you call that a penalty. You know, Donald was trying to avoid the contact and, uh, you know, and so on and so forth. Yeah, but I go originally to the offside that ruled it out, and I find it to be just the strictest interpretation of that law and the strictest, like, you know, execution of that law because, you know, you could have very well made the argument that it was a Milan player that ended up playing the ball, technically speaking. So, you know, Lacey, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that when you get a chance. Yeah, my and my oh my always my interpretation was if a defender had touches the ball, it null and voids that offsides, and mm. it's a, it should be continue on. But obviously not because that you know that's what they called, and it has to be intentionally played by the defender. You know, I mean, if it deflects off of him, that's not you know sure. that's not you know, and then that's what the law says. That's my understanding of it, at least. Um. It you know it's weird and looks strange, but it's offside. Definitely the strictest version of it. You nailed it when you talked about it. Okay, yeah. So, um, I mean they they follow they they followed the offside law pretty much to the letter uh, <laughs> on that. Um, you know because uh, if it's a deflection, he's off. Has to be intentional. Yeah, it it has to be intentionally. You have to you have to the defender has to int- intentionally play in an offside player uh, for it to not be offside. So. You know, and that's the way I understood it. So that that was probably the one big controversy. Um, I know, and, and I coach youth soccer, and I know the I know I know the rules more than the referees do that I get. So mail me a badge and mail me some mail me, mail me some rule books so I can give them to the referees that I work with. There you go. At least he'll take care of you. <laughs> it's uh so the game ends two one. Milan finally wins a, a derby in a, in a long time. Um, their next couple of games are uh, a little difficult. Uh, Roma, obviously, who had a big win this week uh, weekend, what we'll talk about. And then uh, Udinese, who also had a nice victory. Uh, Inter have a little bit easier schedule in terms of Serie A. They have uh, Genoa and then um, Parma, who are very, struggling very mightily this year. Yeah, they're, so, they're, not, they're not good. No. So, you know, I think, well, at least for Inter, their focus maybe should focus, uh, turn to Europe. They got some big games coming up. Um, but uh, overall... I wouldn't worry for either of these teams. I wouldn't, you know, if you're a Milan fan, get too high on this because it's only four games. And if you're an Interisti, and you, or, you know, if you if you lost a game, so what? Just keep going. Mm-hmm. I think there's pieces there. Yeah, Conte didn't have the greatest game. Uh, it's the first time he's lost to Milan in his career. But uh, I think Inter are still in a position where they're going to be strong this season and they're going to be in the top four, no doubt about it. So uh, how do you uh, do you think these both these teams are just relaxed one game? Don't worry. I mean, it's so early in the season and so it much is. can happen. It is. It is. You know, people and, and the, other people saying we're getting relegated. It's like too early. It's, and the point I'll keep making is that you know, reg- you know, after ten games, you've got a pretty good un- idea of what you are. Yeah. You know, uh, whether you're a scudetto contender, whether you're a top four contender, whether you're trying to make Europe or whether you're trying to survive the drop. Yeah. You know, I think ten games is a good enough sample size. You're playing teams in various parts of the table that are going to be perceived to be in various parts of the table. Uh, that can give and give you an idea of what kind of team you are and what t- kind of team you are going to be, you know, the rest of the way. So, you know, four games in, you know, you know, Milan fans embrace it, enjoy it. Inter fans, it's not time to pa- press the panic button by any stretch. One game. One game. It's it's there's a this season is very very long. There's 34 games left for everybody. There's a long long way to go. Um, so uh, it's a a, a great win for Milan. It adds to their story. It adds to what they've accomplished here in 2020. It's been amazing uh, to be undefeated for as long as they have been. And for, for Inter, 
it, it's part of the process. And in, in Ethereisti, I I just I have an issue with you complaining about the team that got put. This is why you have a deep squad to be able to deal with situations like this. this is why they reach in the pockets and invested in the players so that you can deal with situations like this. And that team that you put out is still strong enough to beat everybody in this league. Um, so it's 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 kind of a shortcut excuse uh and it's a poor one um you know so you know, the, the, the the that inter lineup could beat at least 15 teams in this league they could have beat milan they could have beat milan they, they missed their own they could beat milan, yeah so Absolutely. i mean this, that's a very good team is, is there a fair, the team that they would prefer no obviously no. not but that's a pretty damn strong lineup i'm sorry <laughs> agree 100 percent. so that was the derby um at City, I sit down on Twitter or Instagram with your thoughts on what you saw and the uh, the fortunes of those teams going forward. Also, another big game on Saturday that preceded that uh, the the Derby della Madonnina yeah. was Napoli and Atalanta. Uh, Napoli on the heels of just removed from some harsh judgment against them, as <laughs> you know, as we've beaten to death and as everybody is beaten to death and and docked a point and all this other. Uh, madness that went on, you know, lest we forget prior to that, they had two games where they, uh, they beat Parma two nil and it wasn't even close. They beat Genoa six nil and probably could have beat them 12 nil. Um, so we were waiting for that game against a quality opponent to see how it would look and what it would be. Well, here comes Atalanta, you know, on all of the free scoring and, 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 and attacking that they've been doing, uh, scoring eight goals, um, or excuse me, not eight goals, scoring 13 goals in their first three games. Uh, so, you know, challenge accepted and it was at the San Paolo. Let's look at the lineups, Richard. It was Ospina and goal back four of Di Lorenzo, Manolas, Koulibaly and Husay. Um, Bakayoko, uh, makes his first appearance with Napoli, yeah. uh, in a double pivot with Fabian Ruiz. And then they went with, uh, Politano, Mertens and Lozano behind Victor Osman. Uh, for me, a very aggressive lineup, uh, but also with that double pivot, enough balance. Yeah, no, no, don't doubt it. When I saw Bakayoko was in there with next to Fabian, I was like, that's brilliant. That is brilliant because we know what Bakayoko is going to bring, uh, and Fabian is going to get more opportunity to be a little bit more offensive as well, but also, you know, maintaining to his uh, playmaking skills. So I thought that was a brilliant move there, um, and I was excited to see that. The only question mark I had that which got quickly relinquished was, putting Irving Lanzano in the left wing spot. I was like, is that going to work? We've predominantly seen him on the right-hand side. I know uh, Far From Vesuvius podcast, we're questioning that as well. Like, ooh, do we like him out there on the left wing? Uh, we, we learned that answer quickly, whether we liked it or not. But uh, that was my only concern going into that into that game. Uh, but the rest of that lineup, I mean, that was it looked, looked a really solid lineup for sure. And obviously, you got to love Victor Osman up top. And Atalanta with Sportiello, uh, back three of Toloi, Romero, and Palomino. Uh, Fabio De Paoli getting his first start in Atalanta mm -hmm. colors uh, uh, as the right wing back with Gozins to the left. Pasolic and Deron were in the middle. Josip Ilicic returned uh, with Papu Gomez and Duvan Zapata up front. I mean, this is the this is the trio that you're going to have with Atalanta when they're all fit. Gomez, Ilicic, Zapata, and good luck rest of the world yeah. um, when Gasparini unleashes that on you. But this is an Ilicic that uh, first game back, you knew it wasn't gonna, you know, he wasn't gonna be out there long. It's a get his legs under him kind of game. Uh, what are your thoughts with the, you know, in a game like this, a, a big game, um, you know, a team that you're gonna be rivaling for 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 league position as the season goes on, seeing guys like the Pauli, 
uh, and, and taking your chances with Ilicic returning to a game like this? Yeah, uh, you know, with uh, taking the chances on Ilicic, I thought that was a little uh, brazen. I would have brought him on in the second half, let someone else start who's been playing and playing well. Uh, and then bring on Ilicic at the end for a cameo, and hopefully he can, uh, you know, bring some kind of uh, X factor to the game. Hopefully it's a close game at that point, or you're leading at that point. Um, to start him early in the game, knowing that he's not probably not going to last the whole time, was maybe a little too premature. But um, you know, Gasparini has been done some brilliant, you know, choices here for the longest time, and so you can't really question him on that. Um, Depauli, I like the move for Depauli, getting him some legs there. But you know, we had talked about you know the one chink in the armor for Atalanta is their defense, and you know, the, the, the lineup that they put out there, Toloi is someone we've seen all the time, and Palomino as well. Romero was, you know, and eh, we talked about how he's been a little iffy to start the season as well. And so we knew that's probably a weak area for me. And, um, I mean, the rest of the lineup was, was really strong. Um, and, you know, can't say too much bad. I was, I was happy to see DePaoli get the opportunity, really, because uh, I think he deserves it. He's been playing really well. He had played well last season. Now he gets, you know, with Atalanta. He's had some nice uh, contributions in the first couple of games. So, it was nice to see him get a start. I think yep. he deserved it. And uh, unfortunately for him, it was on a losing effort. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, what if I told you the possession was even in the first half? You wouldn't have thought that given how this first I half. Your line. I would have thought your line. Yeah, it was 51-49 uh, from a percentage standpoint. But it was what you do with that possession. And boy, Napoli, did, Napoli went way beyond what yeah. you would think you'd get out of 51% possession. Oh uh, Lozano with a brace in the 23rd and 27th minute. Politano with a goal of the week candidate for me in the 30th. That was a beautiful strike. Yeah. Uh, and then Osiman getting his first goal assisted by David Ospina. Beautiful. Uh, so, um, I mean, we knew there would be goals in this game. You had to expect with these two teams there was going to be goals in this game. But 4-0 at halftime. How surprised were you to see this get so one-sided? I was shocked. I was. I couldn't believe what I was watching. Um, Napoli were doing Atalanta things to Atalanta is what they were doing. Mm. Um, this is what you expect from Atalanta. We've seen Atalanta do it to everyone, basically. Uh, but to see Napoli get that first goal uh, really got – I mean, obviously, they're, they're full of confidence. We've seen the way they played this season. You know, you talk about Genoa. They could have scored, you know, 20 goals in that game. Um, they have a lot of confidence. But to do it – to score so early against a good opponent, I think, gave me even more confidence. And they just rolled off of that. And then Lozano getting a brace uh, early on. Osiman was all over the place in all the goals. He didn't necessarily get the first first assist, but like he got a hockey assist or you know second second third area assist. Um, he was everywhere. His fingerprints everywhere. Ospina, the game plan with him because he's obviously a good passer. That that the goal that Osiman got from Ospina, it wasn't the first time they tried it, and it wasn't the last time they tried it. He would, right. he would throw these long kicks uh, down the field and trying to find Osiman to find someone else, and it worked. It worked a lot of the times, and so. A great game plan. The midfield, Bakayoko and Fabian just, you know, dominated that midfield. Uh, what a brilliant job. The passing, the passing that we saw from Napoli is what we come to expect from Atalanta. Quick passing, quick, constantly changing the field to play, uh, switching to play. It was it was beautifully done. Uh, they didn't. They really didn't drag their feet around. They kept it quick and kept um, Atalanta guessing. And then when Atalanta had the ball, the constant pressure they had on them, forcing the turnovers. Atalanta aren't used to people pressing them the way Atalanta or Napoli did. And full credit goes to Gattuso. You know, people want to say he's not that great of a manager. He did a pretty great job yeah. in this game of what the tactics and and the manner that they attacked Atalanta. That's the way you have to attack them. And and look what it, it was proof in the pudding for nothing in the first half. I thought the double pivot was smart. You know, because then you've got you've got Ruiz and Bakayoko working together in front of that back four to try to help defuse things and try to help defuse any kind of passing coming in. You know, you limit. 
you're making Gomez going in some different places. You, you got an Ilicic that, I, you know, I thought that was a, a labored first half from him, yeah. uh, you know, and a labored performance from him altogether. Uh, you know, he only lasted 63 minutes, which you had to expect, but, you know, I, 37 touches and he lost possession 14 times. That's not something that you come to expect from a player of Ilicic's quality. Yeah. Uh you know, Zapata, it was a struggle. I, I, I'm i surprised they didn't stick with what was working. And I understand a, a Champions League game, uh, you know, on the horizon that, you know, and, 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 and it tells me that maybe in a sense they want to make sure they prioritize getting off to a better start in the Champions League than they did last year. Yeah. But I, I don't understand. I, I would have probably preferred the pairing of uh, Muriel. Uh, and Zapata with Gomez behind him because that is what they've been doing in the first three games and it has worked to a T. I agree. So, and uh, Stevie's got a good point. You know, Napoli also looked like they're playing pissed off. They're trying to prove a point. Uh, I, think yep. they, I think they did. Yep. Yep. And they're going to have to go out and get it now, uh, you know, uh, under the circumstances. So, you know, second half, um, Atalanta got a little bit more of the ball, started generating some things, uh, you know, you know, nothing of note except for uh, this young kid, Sam Lammers, uh, who has now scored two goals and two appearances for the for for, for Ladea. Uh, on an assist from Christian Romero playing him over the top and he he getting in and play just Atalanta. Just they find these guys that n- where nobody else is looking. Yeah, it's amazing uh, the way they can conjure up uh, this uh, the scouting that they do to find the find these kind of players. It's it's really amazing and. Uh, no matter who they get, you're like, who the hell is this guy? Who's this, what's he going to do? And you're like, okay, he can score goals. Okay, never mind. I'll just uh, be on my way. Uh, yeah, the, the, the scouting that Atalanta does is really fantastic. And uh, they they find players that fit their style. They don't buy the player. They don't look for the names. They look for what you contribute. Are you a playmaker? Uh, you have goals. You have good runs. This is what they're looking for. They're looking for something that fits them, not them fitting, fitting the players. So brilliant job by them. But... Did not work for them out in this game. I thought, uh, you know, people were talking about how Napoli were kind of putting, uh, let their foot off the pedal, but you were up, you're up for nothing. Uh, you want to play, be smart about it afterwards. You don't want to continue being reckless and trying to score goals and, and maybe get injured or something like that. So um, overall, I thought uh, Napoli would just play that perfectly. Gattuso has got to give, given all the credit in the world for the game plan they implored on Gasparini. I mean, who would have thought Ga- Gasparini would have been outmanaged by Gattuso? You know, not many. Mm. Um, Again, I, I don't as, as as great as this as great a start this is for Napoli and as as a disaster as this was for Atalanta, it's one game. Um, and there's I, I got to treat this like I treat the derby. It's one game. I'm sure. impressed with Napoli. My tune is starting to change about them a little bit. Um, I said that's great, but do this against a better team or do this against a better, you know, maybe do this against a better organized team. I don't want to move the goalposts on Napoli here because Atalanta is a quality side. I picked them to finish second, um, you know, and I picked Napoli to finish sixth. I mean, I think after I'd, I'd rather, I would probably put Napoli fifth at this point, um, you know, but a better organized outfit, how are they going to handle it? Because you're looking at an Atalanta team that for all of their, uh, you know, all of the positivity that they have going forward and all the attacking energy through four games, they've conceded nine goals. Now, four of them against Napoli, um, but, you know, five and three games prior to that, um, two to um, two to uh, uh, Torino. Um, and I can't remember they had that one against. Um, oh, it'll come to me. I, I should just look at their games. Yeah. Um, 
But uh, totally. uh, two, two to Cagliari, right. two to Torino, uh, you know, one to Lazio, you know, which which is impressive to to hold Lazio to a goal yep. um, with what they do going forward. But, it, you know, not the tight, not the most airtight defense to start the season if we sure. really, really want to nitpick at Napoli. But what they did in that first half was just mesmerizing. Beautiful. It was, yeah. uh, I mean, the passing, I, that, that's what mesmerized me is the passing. It was just the movement. It was no static in the, in the, in the attacking flow. This guy's mm-hmm. constantly moving around. Osiman was just everywhere making yeah. brilliant runs and everything. I mean, that's beautiful. That's what they've been missing is someone like Osiman to really contribute to the game, make those channel runs and stuff like that. Like he has been setting up his teammates as, as a big striker should. Uh, fantastic. And I said to you last podcast, I said, you know, Napoli are right there on the cusp for me. They've always been fifth just behind Milan. I said, if they had a big win against Atalanta, I would move them to my top four. Um, I, it is one game. Granted, it's one game. But, I, you know, based on now, if, it, if we did like a weekly rankings, like who's hot, who's not, I'm taking Juventus out of my top four and I'm putting Napoli over them. Okay. But I never rank. I, I had, you know, just for context, I had Juventus probably around third before that. So not, okay. it wasn't a big drop off for me. So, but yeah, I'm, I'm high on Atalanta, but it's one game. It's early. Okay. Let's, see, let's see what to do against some other opponents, some other big opponents. Yeah, I'm not ready to move anything around just yet. I mean, the only things that I would have, that that I would move is I think I had, you know, I've got Juve, Atalanta, Inter, Milan as my top four. I had Napoli sixth, but that was on the premise that Koulibaly would have gone in the Mercato. He didn't. So if I changed it, I'd be looking at Napoli fifth, um, uh, Roma sixth, Sassuolo seventh, Lazio eighth. Is probably how I would change it. Where I had Lazio fifth, now I'm dropping them to eighth. Um, Sassuolo seventh, and still seventh. Roma was eighth earlier, but now I'd move them into sixth. I wonder. Some uh, of the things I've seen. I wish we had some Napoli guys in here because uh, there's a good question in the chat where it says, you know, what does Gattuso do when Insigne comes back? Lozano's been playing really well as of late, and obviously two goals against Atalanta. I mean, if if say he continues his hot streak, Lozano does. Um, he's a streaky kind of player. We've seen that in in the Netherlands. Um, if he continues being hot and then Insigne comes back, what do you do? Mertens is obviously someone you need to have on the pitch. Um, with the pieces they have out there right now, it seems to be working very well. Politano is playing really, really well. Both him and Lodano, I thought, had really great games. Yeah, uh, better than expected for me. So it's a it's a good problem to have if you're Gattuso, but it's one I'm sure he can manage fine because you have to be careful with those kind of moves. You know, yes, he's a fan favorite. Insigne is, but you know, if you got players that are playing lights out, why are you going to mess with the flow? Let, yeah. let, bring him in slowly, and then if he starts getting high, then you can switch it out. But that's be difficult. If, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I yes. mean, I think they would probably tell you that they would move Lozano back over to the right, and Politano would be back on the bench. Sure, yeah. Um, but uh, you know, who knows? Who knows? They they got a great thing going on in Napoli. They're just they're on fire right now, and let's see if they can continue it. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, on to the rest of the batch of the game. So Lazio, ugh. Um, <laughs> 3-0 to Sampdoria at the Marassi. Uh, it opened up with a quality Dorella goal from Tommaso Algello. Tommaso Algello getting his own in the 41st. Uh, and then in the 74th, for good measure, Mikel Damsgaard, uh, assisted by Valerio Vera. Um, Lazio didn't even get a shot on target in this game. Uh, that's how bad they were. Uh, Crotoni and Juve go to a 1-1 draw, a penalty in the 12th minute scored by Sime. Um, it would be Alvaro Morata in the 21st minute on an assist from Federico Chiesa. Chiesa gets sent off in the 60th minute. Was that fair? Yes, I think so. I, I think so too. He's been reckless all game long, and he was already on a yellow. He should be smarter about that. 
Uh, Marata had a goal called back in the 79th minute after a VAR review, uh, which they got correct. Um, so going on to uh, Sunday's games uh, very early in the morning, and if you woke up, it was worth it. Uh, Bologna and Sassuolo, it was uh, Bologna feeling good about life. They got out to a 3-1 lead after 60 minutes. Those goals coming from Soriano, Svanberg, and Orsolini. Uh, Domenico Berardi getting a goal in the 18th minute. Um, but then it would be the comeback would be on Filip Juricic from Caputo in the 64th minute. Caputo would head one home in the 70th, and then a Tomiyasu own goal in the 77th minute. These teams combined for 39 shots in this game. Uh, you know, no shortage of, I think, didn't they play each other in the restart and have something ridiculous like 53 shots? I know Sassuolo yeah, was yeah. in, was it Sassuolo yeah. and Bologna? I believe it was. And they, they had, just, had like 40 shots, Bologna or Sassuolo had like 40 shots themselves, I think, in that game or something crazy. Yeah, they get together. They get together and there's there's more shots than passes uh, when they play <laughs> each other. So uh, Spezia and Fiorentina, this was, boy, you know what? Yakini just keeps dropping points. And at, at some point he's got, you know, uh, Comiso's got to figure this out with them. Um, they get out to a 1-0 lead through Pazzella from Biragi. Biragi would score one himself. This was four minutes into the game, Fiorentina jumping out to that uh, 2-0 lead. Uh, but then it would be Spezia rallying uh, in the uh, 39th minute. Daniele, Daniele Verdi is a very, very intriguing pickup for them. 24 uh, years old, right? He's, only, he's younger. Right, right. Uh, you know, and uh, scoring here. Uh, making it 2-1, and then Diego Farias in the 75th minute, uh, bringing Spezia back, uh, making it 2-2. Torino and Cagliari, I watched a uh, a pretty good chunk of this game. Go ahead. You can say it. I was I, I was the one, huh? Yeah. Um, uh, Andrea Belotti. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. Andrea Belotti penalty. In the fourth minute, uh, correct penalty. Lukic uh, got past Godin um, and then got – taken down by Cranio. Uh, and then uh, in the 12th minute, Joao Pedro from Velukovic, uh ball that kind of caromed around off of a corner. Giovanni Simeone scoring in the 19th. Uh, Belotti uh, with a nice volley there in the 49th minute to level things at 2-2 um, before Jim Simeone pouncing on a Sirigu error in the 73rd minute uh, to give Cagliari the 3-2 win in a battle between coaches that are trying to resurrect their careers, uh, Giampaolo at Torino and uh, uh, EDF at Cagliari. Uh, yeah, Kini has to have some incriminating picks hit under that hat. <laughs> hey -o. Yeah, yeah, something. Compromising, compromising pictures. Compromising pictures. Oh. All right, we go Udinese and Parma, Ernani in the 26th. Uh, just two minutes later, Samir, yeah, the mo team's most vulnerable after they score. Yep. Uh, and uh, Samir, this Thomas Ovejan is pretty, uh, pretty interesting. Uh, just from what little bit I've been able to watch of him so far, the wing, the left wing back for Udinese, um, Jacoponi on the um, own goal to put Udinese ahead two one. It would be Jan Caramo uh, making it two two in the seventieth minute, and then uh, Ignacio Pusetto coming back over from Watford to Udinese. You know where the Pozzos are doing this really incestuous thing, bouncing players between the two clubs that they own. Now he he was at Wat he was at Udinese now to Watford now he's at Udinese. Also, Okaka has been at Watford and Udinese, uh, and then they connect on the winner for the Friuli uh, to give them a 3-2 win. Roma smashing Benevento by a final of five goals to two, uh, though the lead would come through Caprari in the fifth minute. 
Pedro to equalize mm. Hayden Jekyll uh, in the 35th. Uh, they could have been three, one up at halftime, uh, a goal for a Mkhitaryan getting canceled, uh, in that moment. Um, 55th minute lock Lapadula has his penalty saved, but he follows it in to two, that two with a penalty to make it three, two, Aiden Jekko again for Mkhitaryan to making it, make it four, two. And then Carlos Perez coming in off the substitutes bench, uh, a goal of the week candidate, great individual effort, five, two. Uh, to Roma, and we were all excited. 41 goals through nine games. Do we think we're going to get the abacus out? No. Hellas Verona and Genoa showed up uh, and played. You didn't watch it, did you? No. <laughs> I, I felt bad I, for anyone who watched that game. I, I, well, Hellas Verona tried to get something. I mean, they had 10 shots on target. Uh, so, Mattia Perrin had 10 saves. Uh, you know, so Hellas Verona, was at least, they were at least trying to win. The the Genoa defense was slightly better than what they trotted out against uh yeah. Yeah. Napoli. Yeah. Masiello still sucks, but it's a sad state of affairs when your best <laughs> central defender Masiello? might be Lord Zapata. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh my goodness. Mattia Bani Mattia Bani got to start in there. Poor bastard. He's got to play with that. He's got to play with that shit. He'd be so much better than the team he's playing. I mean, yeah, but he also left that game injured. Um, again, another team that I look at, I look at this team and I think the only guy I would take out of this, you know, Bedell was terrible. I'm just looking at it. I, I'm going to pick on Genoa just about every time. I mean, it's just, it's pathetic, but, uh, Sabora played left wing back and he was an Atalanta guy. Um, yep. so, uh, but another Atalanta guy looking really, really good in his appearances for Hellas Verona, this Adrian Tamezi. Um, yeah. Another solid game from him, Faraoni. We're you know we're just trying to look for the uh, bright spots in what was a nil nil draw. Yeah, Hellas Verona certainly tried to put in an effort, and they were uh, stopped by the wall that was Mattia Perin uh, with ten saves. Uh, thoughts on those games? Um, a lot of goals. Uh, it was just yep. great to see. Uh, you know, Bologna Sassuolo kind of lived with what we. Well, I expect at least I expect a lot of goals in that game, and, they, and it, it came it came in bunches. Um, good overall. I mean, I was I was quietly surprised at Udinese Parma. Uh, two bad teams, good scoring a lot of goals. I thought it would just be another zero zero game. Um, you know, the, I'm happy for EDF. You know, starting to get some wins here. Uh, Giampaolo is still struggling to figure it out with Torino, which is uh, his 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 has got to be getting warmer and warmer as the season goes on. I don't know. Um, I mean, I think v- Vito Doria. I thought I saw a comment from him on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, you know. As someone that's relatively familiar with the way Gempala does things, being yeah. a Sampdoria supporter, he says, you know, the, the re- it's not showing up in the results yet for Torino, but you're starting to see signs of – Torino starting to show signs of what Gempalo, what a Gempalo managed team could look like, you know, when it was right. when it was going well for Sampdoria, when it was going well for Empoli. You know, it's just not turning up in results yet, you know, and if, if Cairo – and if Torino supporters give it a little more time, eventually this is going to come around. So, you know, there's that. I hope they pick up enough points in between then, you know, because if sure. not, Cairo can get a little trigger happy. Sure, sure, absolutely. Absolutely. Serie A is back, baby. Of course it is. Of course it is. That's so, right. Um, what's that? Well, um, Lazio. Is I mean, is this, is this just overlooking – a team in advance of the champions league. What do you, I mean, there have been some very weird performances from them. And, and most notably, when you take a look at where goals are getting conceded, they're, they're, they're giving goals up to center forwards. 
but they're getting smashed by fullbacks and wingbacks. I mean, Atalanta, Hatabor, and Gozens teed off on them. Um, Pedisic set up the goal uh, in the Lazio Inter game for Lataro. And Algello, um, let's keep an eye on this kid. Uh, you know, he's promising. Yeah. Uh, you know, you know, had a field day. It, it prompted me to pick uh, in my Champions League lineups in Daily Fantasy. It prompted me to pick Guerrero uh, with Holland. Um you know, you know, with Holland against Lazio, because I say, look, if wing, if wingbacks and forwards are going to kill these guys, I want, I want in on it. So, and Holland got his goal, and, and Guerrero actually did well. Uh, but you know, uh, I Lazio's think that Lazio has been, I don't know, weird with me this season. It doesn't seem like they're quite ready there in Serie A. Yeah, maybe they just did overlook Sampdoria. They're like, okay, it's going to be easy win. We're going to play Dortmund. Let's focus on that, which they obviously did. Um, that's the only thing I can think of because I mean this whole season's been like, eh, maybe they're just like they're you know they're trying to do well this time. Like to your point with Atalanta trying to do better at the start of the group stages, maybe they're trying to do the same thing. Lazio are because they're notoriously poor starters, usually mm-hmm. get bounced quickly in the European game. So maybe they're trying to change that up and uh, that kind of distracted them slightly. I mean, because the lineup was fairly decent. Was it their best lineup? No, but still had a pretty good lineup. SMS is out there, so I don't know. Yeah, it, it's a weird one for me. Maybe some three are better than we thought. Maybe. Maybe. I, I mean, with, but this is, you know, when we were previewing this season, we were going with the information that we had on Sampdoria. And now you take a look at what they did in the Mercato after that preview and getting Candreva, getting kicked to Balde, you know, and, and patching this together. And with Ranieri can be right? Yeah. And with what with Ranieri can be capable of as a manager. Yeah. You know, they're going to end up. I mean, that's a team that I'm sorry that I put them where I did. I had them surviving, but I had them like I think 16th or 17th or somewhere in there. I actually think they're going to be on the top part of the the bottom half. I think they're going to be 11th, 12th, kind of in that in that range. It's it's not out of the question, you know, given the quality that they've assembled. Um, so, uh, so that's interesting. Sassuolo, are you a are you a believer? I've been a believer. I have not not Same. been a believer. Um, been ta- we taught we taught them. Nobody else did. Yeah, I, I don't know if I'm quite ready to put them in the European spots just mm-hmm. yet. I want to see them against some of the bigger boys, but they can score, uh, and that's something important when you play those kind of teams. Because you know, if you do get behind, they have they they're one of those teams that can get behind and have so much confidence to get back into it. Kind of like Atalanta did last year, where yeah. they go down in a game, they just storm right back. Don't care. I mean, granted, it's Bologna. Uh, but still, a team that can do that, you got to be wary of. And uh, they are—they can be good defensively when they want to. This is one of the few games that they give up a lot of goals, as, you know, as of late. So yeah, yeah I'm, a, I'm certainly a believer. Absolutely, yeah. I, I I like him a lot. Yeah. Um, and no Boga yet, and Boga hasn't even got got going yet. Wait till he gets in back and and, and gets going. I mean, that they're gonna be scary. Yeah, I mean, right now they sit second in the table, and it's only four games in. But I mean, thirteen goals through four games. Only Atalanta has more. Exactly. Uh, they have one more than Napoli. Um, and, you know, fine. Uh, let's look who they played. It hasn't been, you know, but they were 3-1 down against against Bologna. Uh, so you know, they, Gonzalez is in the house. He says, uh, why do you guys think Berardi is underrated? Uh, similar numbers to Chiesa. Uh, I would argue better number to Chiesa. At least if you're looking from an optics standpoint, I think he's been playing a lot better than Chiesa. Um, Berardi is just early on he had so much hype to him and i think when he never lived to that early hype people have said okay i'm just gonna not even worry about you or forget about you and he's been quietly getting better and better every every year his leadership is growing 
Uh, he's formed a great part. He's found a great thing over there at Sassuolo. I think the best thing he did was stay there and not move on from there because rumors were that he maybe would go to Juventus or something like that. He stayed there, really honed his craft, kind of like Lucatelli is doing right now. And he's really finding himself. And I mean, we saw when he played with the Azzurri too. He played well there too, I thought. Uh, he, he has vision. He can shoot. He can score goals, obviously. So I don't know why. I think it's just people overlooked him once he once he never met that hype at the early age. I don't know. Um. You know, I I think that he had some, yeah, he had some years there where he had some injury issues. Yeah, yeah. you know, he had to come back from that. Um, you know, he was in a Sassuolo team that you know prior to these last twelve to eighteen months had been struggling, had been you know bottom half, and you know you just kind of maybe his, associate the form of players with that. And you know, did Serbia's come in? He's brought in a system. He's brought in a system that those players clearly believe in. Uh, and they play to it, and they play to the strengths of, of players like Berardi. Um, you know, so it's it's worked out really well. Um, I think he's underrated because he plays on Sassuolo. Uh, that's really the that's really what it comes down to. Yeah. You know, if he was doing this on on one of the big six clubs, we'd be talking about him as being one of the best players in the world. You'd be talking about him being rumored to go to all these different clubs in Europe. Um, but he is he has stayed put at Sassuolo, and he's gotten it done there. So. Um, you know, I, this is a team that scored four goals, three games in a row. And then they had the one, one draw to start against Cagliari where they could have scored four there. They had a lot of chances. Um, they're going to create chances and they're going to score goals and they're going to win games by scoring more goals than you. They're, they're not a team that's built to keep anybody out. Um, so if they get a two nil lead, they're going to go look for a third goal. That's just how they play. That's how they're going to be situated. Um, and I think they are going to be a big problem Friday. They are a home against Torino. Um, I think that's going to be a beatdown. Um, uh, you know, and I, but I'll, I'll get Torino, you know, who Belotti comes up for those games. He scores some spec. He likes to score the spectacular goals. It'll be something like four, two or something, you know? Yep. Yep. He, you know, so we'll see, but, um, Sassuolo, I think, are a contender for a European place. I think they're a contender. I have them seventh. I think they'll finish seventh. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think, eighth, but yeah, absolutely. Can, can certainly get yeah. We're big believers in the Nero Verdi over here at City. I sit down. Yeah. So, you know, the rest of it, Fiorentina, we kind of hinted on, you know, it's just unbelievable how um, Yakini keeps dropping points here. Uh, it's just like how, how, he, how he continues to mismanage games with this Fiorentina squad. Yeah, and I, and maybe it maybe the reason he, I don't know what I, I honestly don't know what's going on over there, Fiorentina, and their team is you know maybe not as good as it had been quality wise. They, they've always underperformed because they had they had quality players just underperformed. Now they're just they're okay. Players, I like the moves that they made this off season, uh, but there's games that they they could have won. They dropped many points, like you said, the Iakini, and he can't be lasting too much longer, especially if he does more of this stuff because. Uh, they need to find the right coach. You keep going with these older coaches who have no proven track record of, of victory, success, uh, and they need to find someone. And I, there was someone I was thinking about last week after our, po- our podcast that would be great fit for them, and, and it now it escapes me. But they need to stop looking at these these guys who just don't have a proven history. Ventura, uh, people talk about Ventura like, no, don't don't even look his way anymore. Just leave him be. Let him retire in yep. happiness or something. Yep. Uh, 
but Iakini, he's got a, I don't, he just, he doesn't have it anymore and he needs to just maybe step away as well. <laughs> uh, Coy Beresford, Coy Beresford suggested something about, Hey, Maurizio Sadi is, is without a job right yeah, now. Yes, that was it. That was it. And, and I think she's, she hit the nail on the head there. I think that'd be interesting for him too, to kind of, uh, you know, get out of that spotlight, but be, be still with a relevant club, a team. If he, if he could do well with them, which I think he could with his tactics, um, he could be a you know a, a local hero there for them. They would they would, they revere him almost as much as they do in, in, uh, in Napoli. Well, they did <laughs> without a doubt, without a doubt. I actually like that fit and I like that idea. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, the only other thing, uh, I, you know, I looked there and I saw I couldn't believe that Genoa has a win. And I remember it was that season opener against Crotone that they they won four one. But uh, yeah. I mean, Parma right now under Liberani is just Lecce two until they prove otherwise. Yeah, and we talked about this in the preview pod with uh, uh we, oh, in the preview pod we talked about who was on the hot seat and who was going to be uh, questionable to be one of the first guys fired. And Livrani, I said Livrani was was up there. He wasn't my number one, but he was up there because I didn't the way he's played in the past, you know, with Lecce and stuff like that. He doesn't know how to play to his players' strengths. He doesn't, you know, last year Parma looked pretty good, you know. Uh, they, they had all their offensive talent. Yes, they lost some bodies, but they're, you know, what Parma has done well in the last couple of seasons is you lose some players and you just find new players to step up. And mm-hmm. Liverani can't bring those out of the players. He, the players, I don't know if they just don't, haven't bought into a system yet or what, but they ain't look like they're doomed for relegation. I hope not because we love seeing seeing them out there in Serie A, but uh, he just is not a – at least with, with, with Parma and, and his previous job, he just weren't good fits for them. And uh, it just continues to show – game in and game out with Parma they didn't look clueless out there and giving up goals left and right and you you're not going to win this league you're not going to survive in this league giving up goals like that right right um I mean uh, prior to that game Udinese hadn't scored a goal exactly um, that's you know they scored three I mean this this Thomas Ouijan had something to do with it this kid I here's our here's our here's our new player that that uh that is crossing balls in before he even gets off the bus yeah, seventeen crosses in this game. Wow, um, four chances created. He had the assist on the Samir goal. Um, not doing any shooting, no. but he's crossing the shit out of the ball. Yep. <laughs> and you know, not a bad idea when you got guys like Okaka and Lasagna up front. Exactly. So, exactly. Um, you know, not a bad idea. Uh, so, uh, gee, just Juve wanted to say hello, ciao. We're going to talk about you here in a minute. We're going to talk about your Champions League game. Probably a good segue. But uh, what were your five goals of the week? My five goals of the week are going to be different from yours. And ciao, Giuseppe. Welcome to the show. Uh, if you guys haven't done so, I'm going to give him a shout out because you know, follow his YouTube page. You know, if you're a Juventini fan or not, follow him. His YouTube is freaking fantastic. Give him a follow. Hmm. Um, let's see. My top five honorable mentions. Uh, and I'm going to get nailed for my, my picks here, but I don't care. Uh, Paredes, his solo goal, I thought was really good. That's an honorable mention for me. Another honorable mention is Morata, an assist from Chiesa. I thought it was a nice little a play between the two for the goal there. My number five, I'm going with the debut goal or the or the first goal in Serie A for Osiman. I'm just going to give it to him. I just pulling heartstrings there. Uh, it wasn't the greatest goals, but it's his first goal, so he gets number five for me. Number four for me is actually your number one. I think Zlatan, his second goal, a brilliant play overall. You know, from the Salamakers move to the layout cross to the to the finish. I uh, love that goal. Uh, comes in number four though for me. Number three for me is Irving Lozano's second goal. I really like the placement of the shot there. Uh, just the whole play in general, uh, just tore, tearing up uh, Napoli's defense. Number two for me actually is going to be Damsgaard from Sampdoria. 
improvisation that he had to do the little cheeky little chip over to the defender to get free and then get the and fin finish it off nicely in the top corner. Uh, lovely, lovely skill by the by the youngster. Um, that's number two for me, and number one is actually gonna be Matteo Politano. Uh, I thought his left-footed strike uh, the top corner was a brilliant shot. Uh, just put the nail in the coffin for um, for Napoli against Atalanta. So that's my top five. Um, I, in general, I'm with you. Uh, I I will go with. I don't have Osimhen in mind though. Uh, uh, Carlos Perez is my fifth. Um, uh, the individual goal that he scored for Roma against Benevento. Um, uh, Lozano's second goal, like you pointed out, that's in at number four for me. Uh, you know, no problem there. I, I do like the Domsgaard goal. That's in at number three. Um, number two, I'm going with the Politano curler. Uh, and then number one for me, I mean, it won the derby, uh, and it was a clinical counterattack goal. Zlatan Ibrahimovic's goal, uh, his second uh, in the derby to win the match 2-1 uh, is my goal of the week. Winners and losers, I mean, the winner for me is Milan. Um, uh, to win the derby, to be top of the table, uh, to be on this incredible unbeaten run, yeah, I look behind me. Yeah, you know, bias aside, uh, it's uh, you know. <laughs> yeah, I know. Bias aside, uh, they they're just on all cylinders right now, uh, and yeah. they're finding ways to win in so many different ways. They're going to lose a game at some point. They're going to drop points at some point. It's inevitable. Um, but you know, what a run that they're on right now. Uh, and the loser for me is Parma. I mean, it's just. Uh, it's not looking good under Liverani. Uh, I don't see signs of improvement. I see a team that's going to give up a lot of cheap goals as we go, uh, just like it was at um, uh, just like it was at uh, uh, Lecce under his uh, under his watch. So, um, Marata's second goal at Con at at Crotone was was fantastic. I think yep. uh, an honorable mention there. Yeah, his second goal was the one that was VAR overturned. That's true. That's right. That's right. <laughs> one one that game. That's right. I know what he's. I know what he's doing there. So uh, Milan's my winner. Parma's my loser. All right, uh, my winners this week are going to be. Since you went Milan, I'm going to go Napoli. I thought uh, just their dismantling of Atalanta was fantastic. Uh, they looked brilliant. The passing was just so smooth in that game. Obviously, played with a chip on their shoulder after getting uh, losing a point and a forfeit in the game against uh, Juventus or. The, the ghost game against Juventus. So they're they're my winners of the week. My losers. I'm gonna go with uh, I'm gonna go with uh, Lazio. I think uh, three nothing shock defeat to Sampdoria. Uh, unexplicable when a team that can't afford to lose points, uh, especially come to the end of the season. They're they they're a team that I I found they're gonna drop more than than most teams in the top half of the table. Um, I don't have I have them in a Europa League spot at the moment and. You know, playing like this, losing three points to a team that you should win, it's going to come to haunt them at the end of the season. You know, when teams like Sassuolo and uh, some of these other teams that are, are nipping around the edge, that could be a big tail at the end of the season where, you're like, what happened? Oh, we had a stupid loss to Sampdoria, 3 nothing early in the season. That's my uh, inexplicable to me. I mean, if it was a draw, it would be one thing, but 3 nothing. it was just a poor, poor game for them. Sure. They're my losers. Okay. Your winners and losers, your goal of the week. Tell us. Go to at City. I sit down on Twitter or Instagram. Champions League, we're actually recording when we're right in the middle of it. It's actually uh, um, Hubei is the losers. Why are we always so nice and they were terrible against Crotoni? Yeah, I agree, but I mean, Par Par Parma sucked. I mean, by comparison. Yeah, yeah that's, true. So, that's true. At least in my opinion. Uh, Champions League, uh, do you want to take these or? I watched them. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. 
Let's uh, let's go. Let me pull my pull my pull my scores up here. And I was looking at the chat group. The chat was uh, had some conversations going there. So uh, yeah, let me pull up the Champions League. Uh, the two teams that you know that we were looking at this week, this uh, today I should say was uh, obviously going to be uh, Dynamo Kiev hosting Juventus, and then obviously uh, Lazio hosting Dortmund. We'll start first with the early game. Uh, the game that we we both thought that Juventus were going to win this game going into this, it was going to be difficult because it always is going to Ukraine. Uh, any of those clubs out there, Shakhtar, Dynamo, whatever, uh, they usually play very tough at home. Um, this was a this game wasn't a, a, um, uh, a easy game to say the least for sure. But Juventus found a way to win. Uh, Avlor Morata scored a goal in the 46 minutes to bring him up one nothing just after halftime, uh, and then he would get his brace uh, late in the game, the 84th minute assist from Cuadrado. Uh, good game overall, solid game by uh, Juventus. They went two nothing. Uh, on the road, uh, surprised about that victory? Any, anything surprised about that? I mean, it's pretty straight up for, for Juventus there. Yeah, I mean, I had a 1-1 draw uh, when I yeah. predicted this. Um, I got right. One few times I get it right. I said 2 nothing. Good call. You know, I just thought with Ronaldo not available to go, uh, McKenna not available to go, you're going to have a, you know, a kind of a patch-together team and going to the Ukraine, which is a very difficult road trip. And then I think in Dinamo Kiev's case, if they wanted to be a contender for one of the top two spots um, for reaching the knockout rounds, this was a game they simply had to win, home win against Juventus. And um, they were they were disappointing given the quality that they have because I've watched this Dinamo Kiev team play a couple of times heading into this Champions League. Um, Tsigankov's a, a good specialist, yeah. te- very technical. Depeña's skilled. Um, this uh, this Shaparenko is going to get paid uh, in another country, big time. And I think there's there's a lot of potential with him. And and Bushchan has been in some relatively good form and has turned up some performances in some big games. He was big for Ukraine in their win over Spain. He uh, was big for Dinamo Kiev in terms of qualifying. Uh, for the league stage. And I think he made like seven or eight saves against Ghent. Uh, so I thought that the pieces were there for Dinamo to really give Juventus a hard time. And um, they, the first half was kind of, you know, just watching that. You, you saw some danger coming from, Morata wasn't much in the first half. It was coming from Kuliszewski. It was coming from Chiesa. You know, Ramsey coming forward. I think that those were the danger guys for Juve. Second half, Morata takes advantage after some some good work around from the rest of the team, and Bushchan can't hold on to a shot. I was Bushchan was uncharacteristically nervous in this game, and I think that he performed poorly, and then it, which gifted Morata the first goal. And then Juve were able to cruise the rest of the way. Um you know, and all they got to do is get the second to kill the game off, which is what they did. You know, I don't know if it was a necessarily dominant performance from Juve, but given the way Dinamo Kia performed, Juve didn't have to be dominant. Yeah, uh, you know, CV said on the, on the chat, you know, Dynamo, Dinamo was terrible. Uh, they made Juve look better than they were. Um, it, it was a victory. We we thought it was it was never going to be a, a, a easy walk walk home victory by Juventus, but um, we thought they were going to have it. You know, either get a draw or a win. We thought they would do well, and they did. Uh, so it's pretty standard result there. And then the other game that we had we had this we had today was uh, the bigger game, which we weren't sure how this would have gone. Uh, Lazio against high flying Dortmund, um, certainly an interesting team. Uh, Juve, uh, excuse me, Lazio. They brought it with their lineup. I mean, looking at their lineup real quick because I was surprised, you know, considering what they had against Sampdoria. Obviously, they're resting some players, 
uh, Starkosha, obviously, in goal, but in back three of Acerbi, Luis Felipe, and Patrick. Patrick, many people were giving him stick uh, after that Sampdoria game. Uh, midfield, you had Maricic, Milankovic Savic, Leva, who had a really good game, Alberto, Luis Alberto, Faras, uh, Immobile, and Correa. Um, they uh, they came out quick in this game, and uh, they surprised a lot of folks with uh, with a 3-1 victory uh, in this game. It was uh, goals by well, Immobile, obviously, gets a goal. My app stops working all of a sudden. <laughs> uh, Immobile gets a goal in the sixth minute. Uh, uh, Hits gets an own goal in the 23rd minute. I thought it was Correa's goal, but an own goal it doesn't matter. Lazio fans don't care. It's 2-0 at that point. 2-0 uh, at halftime. Um, Erling Haaland would get his goal, as he normally does in the 71st minute. But that was answered quickly by the substitute Akpa Akpro uh, in the 76 minutes. So 3-1 victory, a, uh, a very, very fine victory that not many people, including Lazio, I saw coming. You, you take, I mean, I watched this game. Um, and I, I don't see some of the things that others did uh, from what happened in this game. Lazio didn't dominate this game. No. They didn't. Um, they didn't dominate this game. They they were opportunistic. Um, the, the the Immobile goal came from Borussia playing out of the back and playing awfully casual. Uh, you know the, the 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 Bellingham start over Gio Reyna perplexed me big Very time. Quickly. Very quickly. Um, and and Bellingham's responsible for the first goal getting scored an under hit pass and and Correa jumps on it, gives it to Immobile. They score. They take the one 0 lead. And then it's 2-0 on a, on a uh, corner, uh, and it was Alberto to Luis Felipe, and then it was Hintz that, uh, that, that owned gold it. Um, you know, that's one of those that either you give him the – I mean, you could give him the old goal, you can give it to Luis Felipe, and, and I wouldn't have argued either way. Um, you know, so I, I thought with the way the game was going, I think that just Borussia failed to execute. And when I looked at the team lineups, I, you know, going into this, I thought Borussia was going to win 2 1. And when I looked at the team lineups, um, and I look at what we were talking about earlier, Lazio getting killed by fullbacks, wingbacks, and, and, and forwards. And yeah, you got Munier and Guerrero, and you've got Holland. And I'm looking at this, and I said, well, this is as good as anything Lazio has faced. This could be a problem. And then you watch the way Borussia set up and I didn't understand it. It felt like they were trying to do everything in the middle. Everything was narrow. They're trying to do everything off of Holland instead of trying to spring Guerrero and Munier, or maybe even trying to get Sancho into those wide areas where he could do some damage. I was very, very shocked with the way Dortmund approached the game and they just, they played into that midfield shape of, of Lucas and, and, and Sergey and and Luis Alberto. I mean, I felt like Dortmund just handed this game over to Lazio. You know, I mean, Lazio won. I'm happy for them. I'm happy for Serie A. But you know, Lazio are out there with their chest stuck out that they did this. And Jerry was saying that the mid, they they controlled the mid. They didn't control the midfield. It's easy to control the midfield when the opponent plays narrow and plays right India. All you got to do is just sit there and wait for them to make a mistake. And Dortmund made enough mistakes. The third goal was pathetic defensively from Borussia Dortmund all around because Lazio were outnumbered in every facet. When they played Immobile through, they had, you know, Hummels getting over there. They had numbers. Delaney pays no attention uh, to Akpa Akpro coming forward, is just stuck staring at the ball. And Immobile just, you know, says, thank you very much. I'm going to pass it to my guy and he's going to tuck it in. You know, again, it was just, it was poor, uh, you know, from Dortmund. It was, op but, but you know what, if, 
you're going to win games like this, you got to take advantage of when a team is playing poorly like that. And that's what Lazio 100%. did. 100%. So I found this to be an opportunistic three points for Lazio. I don't think they were dominant. I don't think they controlled the game. I think that Dortmund gave this thing away in, in a lot of areas uh, that caught me by surprise. I think what we had here was a uh, well. Obviously, Dortmund played sloppy, but I think they overlooked Lazio. Maybe thinking they were too high and mighty. How 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 high how flying they're scoring a lot of goals. Uh, they thought that they were going to walk in there and be able to get an easy three points in there. Not starting Gio Reyna, who's arguably their best player this season. He's been pulling all the strings. That was a big mistake. It was a huge mistake, and obviously their game plan went out the window there. They're obviously resting him for the derby uh, coming up this weekend. So you put in in Bellingham, like you said, they should be exploiting the wing backs. Of Lazio and on the wings, both sides, as everybody else is doing this season. And they obviously watched no tape of Lazio because uh, they would have done that. And they're playing through the middle, trying to feed Halan because you obviously your playmaker isn't in there in NG Arena. Uh, Sancho is still getting acclimated back, to, back into the lineup. So it was a poor decision by them. And, you know, it doesn't surprise me. Lucien Favre, he has his moments where he's just like, what the hell are you thinking, man? Um, but Lazio did, Lazio did finish off the chances. That's what you want them to do. Um, while it wasn't the most dominating performance by them, they finished off. And I think that's what's important for them because uh, had they not, if they walked away with us a draw or even a loss in this game, that could have really shot their confidence coming off of that 3-0 defeat to Sampdoria. This were, I think, kind of equals things back out for them and they can get back into, you know, get back into the rhythm of Serie A and get back in the Champions League and build off of this because it was, it was a, it, you know, it was a, a team that we fully expected would have would have pushed them to the limit. It's like you said, the best team they've probably faced all year so far. And now they can at least ride off of that, and maybe maybe they, the players are gonna be you know playing with their their chest out and get more confidence. Who knows? But I don't know. Mm-hmm. Freaking... <laughs> you just say Dortmund. I, I do, I do, I do, I do. I hate him. <laughs> um, tomorrow's games. Yeah, yeah, you know, let's start with Inter and, and Munchen Gladbach. Um, you know, Inter coming off the derby loss. Uh, Munchen Gladbach in a little bit of indifferent form. I think they had a get right game, I think, before the international break. I don't, I didn't see how they did last weekend. You might know that. Um, but uh, attacking wise, yeah. Munchen Gladbach will have a much different dynamic. Uh, than what Milan brought, you know, oh, yeah. you did. You don't have the big time. Play is not a play as a forward, but he's not the target that Ibra is. But what's going to be a problem if this is the same back three starting, uh, and we'll have to see what Conte rolls out. But if this is the same back three starting, this could be a game where a player like Marcus Turam could smash. Um, you know, because it's it's up his alley. He's going to have because he's going to have a field day in and around Kolarov. Yeah. Uh, they drew against Wolfsburg. Thank you. And that's, you know, that's not bad. Considering how what Inter has going for them is that Munchen Gladbach can stink defensively. Um, am I am I wrong in my assessment of them? Or you you've seen them you've seen them enough from from watching some Bundesliga through watching Schalke. Uh, tell us about what Inter have to look forward to. Yeah, I, I think you're, you, got, you know you guys are hitting the nail on the head. Is that you know if they use that same back three that Milan you know got this face, it's going to be a, a longer day than they want Inter because you're right, Taram, you know Stindl if he's out there he's playing he can do some damage. Hoffman as well, Plie to your to your credit as well. So they got some playmakers on that team, um, and you don't overlook them. They were very good last season. You know they pushed all the big boys to the limit last year. Um, they faded at the end. They were they were the winter champions. So. 
they have some players on their team, and I know Brian Bull might get some time here and there, but he's he's not that greatest. But the other the other four guys I mentioned, they can really turn games and, and get some goals in there, you know, some playmakers. So enter better be enter better be wary of them, I think. And uh hopefully they you know they get Bastoni in there for their sake and, and Skriniar maybe to help out because um, you know, having Kolarov back there. Uh, that's going to be a bad idea, I think, all day long. Maybe Ambrosio will get away with, but Kolarov, certainly not. Is is player going to be available? Because he, he wasn't even on the bench. Uh, he didn't start and wasn't even on the bench in the Wolfsburg game, now that I'm looking at it. Yeah, I don't know if he, he's injured or what. What's going on with him? I'll have to, okay. have to look at that. They have, they have Mbolo. They have Ibrahima Traore. Yep, and Hoffman started in the, on the right side, Sindel in the middle, and uh, Taram in the, in the left. So, yeah, not sure why uh, Plie isn't playing, but uh, Taram is certainly a dangerous player there, so be careful that, of him. Vent started the Wolfsburg game. Ben Sabaini is normally the left back. Is he going to see the kind of – is? I mean, with Hakimi on that right side, is Ben Sabaini the kind of guy that we're going to get the same kind of issues that Teo had to deal with where he's going to have to absorb so much that it's going to be hard for him to contribute going forward? I think so. And to be fair, anyone who goes up against Hakimi is going to have that issue going all yep. season long, unless they get defensive help from their forwards. I think it's going to be a tough game for him because uh, I think I can see Hakimi, you know, he has experience against Gladbach, so he knows them very well. So he's going to be, be able to exploit that right-hand side, I think. And they're going to get some success coming through him on the right-hand side, no doubt about it. And Ben Sabaini is another one of those that, you know, in, in, in not necessarily as forceful and physical as Teo, but technical. Yeah. Um, and, and wants to get forward, uh, you know, and wants to contribute to the attack. So it's going to be a conce- it's, it's probably going to be a concession for him, um, yeah. you know, in that sense. So, uh, Atalanta traveling to Midtjylland. Um, this is a Midtjylland team that can score goals and the way Atalanta is defending, this isn't a done deal for them. Yeah. You know, everybody will look at them and they'll say the minnows of this, of this group with Liverpool and Ajax. And, and while on paper, that's very true. You know, this is an Atalanta team that right now has a lot of issues with the way they defend. Um, And I'm not confident with that going in. Um, I still think they're going to win the game, but I think that this is a game that's going to have some goals in it. Um, I think that this could end up being a 3-2 kind of game, a 4-2 kind of game that will go Atalanta's way. Uh, Because for what they can offer, what, you know, what Midtjylland can can offer going forward, I think that there are going to be some issues for them defensively. Yeah, I don't. You know, with all the teams in this group, I don't know if you're going to see any zeros in any of these games. I think all these Probably teams are going to score goals. Uh, but yeah, I think it's going to be a, a more difficult game than than you know than Atalanta are expecting. Than any of these three teams, other three teams in the league are, are in the group are going to expect. But uh, what I think last week we said something like a four-two scoreline or something, and I can see that because I can see Michelin uh, getting some goals in there, making it you know make Atalanta think about it a little bit. But I think they're going to be able to get some goals in there because uh, I think Atalanta are ready for. Uh, the Champions League to do better than they did last year, at least to start off. So we'll see how that how that shapes up. And it's interesting with Michelin because when they won the, the the Danish Super League last year, they did it with defense. They only conceded 14 goals in 26 games. Um, you know, so something to keep your eye on. This season, though, they're they're off to a start where they're giving up a goal per game. Um, you know, they've scored seven. So I mean, they're kind of scoring at the same rate, but they've got some quality going forward that can that can give you some that can give you some trouble evander uh is is a talent dryer is a talent um you know so they've got some pieces now when you look at what they've done in the league they've scored um they had a 3-0 win over ob they had a 2-2 draw just to kind of give you an idea of the scores they beat slavia prague 4-1 yeah. in the return leg in the playoff so that'll tell you something about what their capabilities are going forward 
Um, but they're not afraid of getting into that, you know, kind of digging deep and, and digging out a one nil result either, you know, but they're not going to be in for a one nil result here. They're no. going to have to, they're going to have to get into a goal fight with Atalanta. They have the ability to do it. I just think that it's going to be one of those where Atalanta just outscore them. Like I said, I think this is a three, two, four, two win for Atalanta and they get back on track after what happened at San Paulo. Yep. I, I agree with you hundred percent. Yep. Poor Frank Lampard can't beat Sevilla nil nil. The only the only one of the week. Oh, well, you know what, Stevie? Sevilla is pretty damn good, and Lopetegui sets them up to defend. I had a feeling that Chelsea was going to struggle in that game today. They did um, last year, didn't they? In the in the Europa League. Uh, they they what? beat in, they beat Inter, <laughs> and and took it down. So yeah, I'd say, I'd say that was good. Uh, you know, beat Inter Milan. Hey oh Yeah, they did. <laughs> they did. Salute. Uh, Roma travel to Young Boys. That's that's an actual team name. That's not meant to be disgusting. Um, Milan travel to Celtic. Napoli hosting Azad Alkmaar. Uh, all of these, uh, all of our City teams, really right off the bat with some tricky uh, Europa League games. Yeah, uh, and we even got a question about this from uh, Milano Miguel. He asked, you know, what are your predictions for Milan's Europa League uh, group? Can they win that group? It's it's a, it's a it's a not. It's a fairly difficult group. I mean, they can get by. They can certainly win. I think they're going to win this group, but it's going to be harder than they thought. Uh, maybe not. Con, not maybe not Rio Ave hard, uh, but it's going to be difficult. I think, and uh, uh, you know, they're going to get wins. I think, but it's not going to be anything like a four-one or anything. I think we're going to see like maybe you know two nothings, two ones here, one nothing, uh, nothing that's going to be like oh oh they destroying teams. Uh, I think all these teams are fairly decent. At least Celtic can be at home on the road. And eh, not so much. Of course, they lost to uh, Celt- or they lost to the Rangers this weekend in their big derby. Yeah, uh, nothing at home, so maybe not. Hopefully, uh, Jens Pederhago gets a full game versus Celtic. It's very possible. Uh, yeah. Hakan Chalanoglu sprained his ankle in training, and will not be expected to play on Thursday. You can't expect Ibra to play on Thursday. Um, so I think you're going to see some rotation in this team, and Haga is going to be in contention for a spot. I think you're going to see the likes of Tonali Diaz uh you know getting getting in there um you know i don't know if you can afford to rotate your center backs but dallo i think is going to get thrown in there in some capacity as well so we'll see um you know roma traveling to young boys young boys have some players that can cause you some problems in attack they've they've been a thorn in some people's side the the issue for them is the issue with much and gladback they don't defend very well yeah. Um, you know, and they uh, they can give they can be susceptible in those situations. Azad Alkmaar is your typical Dutch team. They're going to have some dangerous attacking players. Some people you're going to have to be careful for. Ultimately, Napoli should win that game. Did you hear uh, the update about uh, Azakmar? No. So they had 13 players test positive for COVID. Oh, geez. Uh, but apparently, they're going to still go forward with the game. They have enough players to play the game, and so apparently, the game's going to still go on. Uh, so we'll see what happens. Hopefully, Napoli shows up to this game. Uh, but yeah, what I read today, I think I'm pretty sure someone can correct me in the chat, but I'm pretty sure that he, uh, the 13 players tested positive for COVID for Azakmar. Uh, but they, like I said, they have reserves and uh, they'll they'll still play. They're still attending to play at this moment. I'm gonna go two one to Roma at Young Boys, two one to Milan at Celtic, and I'll go three nil Napoli over Azak Alkmaar, knowing that information. Yeah, if that's the case, I I, I like that scoreline with uh, with Napoli, uh, Milan. You said two one. Yeah, I'll go with that. And then uh, Roma. I, I'm really liking Roma's midfield at the moment. Um, whether they're going to start all those boys, 
uh, in this game or not. I don't know, but uh, I, I do see them with victory. I'm going to go 2 nothing Roma. 2 nothing Roma? Okay. Yeah. Okay. I just I think young boys will be able to nick one with the players that they have. Um, so we'll see. This is gambling with people's health. Everybody's going to jam this thing in. You know, we'll, yeah. we'll have to see what the ramifications are after that game is played. So, yeah. um, you know, we'll, we'll see about that. So those that's our European roundup. And now, for the moment you've all been waiting for, <laughs> time for who won Calcio Twitter. Uh, um, uh, let's see. Well, I'll start with the first one. This is the first one that came out, um, and this comes from uh, Nico uh, he says, uh, and he tweeted this early on. This is probably this is on, on the fifteenth, the last Thursday. Uh, he says every Juventus podcast talking about how they deserve the three points versus uh, against the Napoli match, and there's three young boys just sitting there talking about. <laughs> Lovely. <laughs> oh, that's, awesome. that's awesome. Yep, yep. That's a that is a good one. So, uh, moving on. Real Don and Yelly is on the board. Uh, known Napoli supporter and pot dealer Vinny Spadafora should stick to eating Johnny cakes and not play a very dangerous game by insulting Ronaldo's dignity. Not enough. He tried to steal our three earned points. We're not in Naples anymore. My Super League will respect rules and protocols. <laughs> oh, the Don. I think the uh, Sopranos, the Sopranos reference is what got him on the board. Yeah. And then, uh, I, you know, I think I had, when I had put that on there, I said, this guy should be able to do better than this. And he said, you know how hard it is. I came back and I told him, uh, you're being held to a higher standard, Mr. President. I'm not the sporting judge that hands out default wins. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no I agree. I agree with all that, but it, it was pretty funny. Uh, next one on the list. Uh, thank you for Giovanni for pointing us in this direction. Uh, obviously, oh, I, I, maybe it's obvious to me, but I don't know about anybody else. Uh, a lot of memes have been going out with uh, lately with uh, Thomas Muller of, of Bayern Munich uh, with the expression he had, and so people were going off of this. And so Matt Leneve says uh, after the Napoli game, Golsiman. <laughs> so uh, yeah, it's pretty funny, pretty clever. I like it. Do you ever watch those? Uh, there's this uh, cartoon uh, called Four Four Tunes. This guy that makes these, uh, oh, yeah, these, yeah, yeah. these these video cartoon clips and it's and and then the caricature of Thomas Muller is just meant to be a comedian until like make really stupid jokes. Yeah. So so that kind of that kind of works. So uh, did Art Morelli get back in for a nominee? He did, but this is he he, he admitted this afterwards. This is actually Jerry. So I'm I'm a, I'm gonna I'm mention Jerry's tweet. So Jerry tweeted out. Uh, this is about the uh, Napoli Atalanta game, and it said the commentator for the Napoli versus Atalanta game just asked, "Would Juventus sit back on the 4-0 lead versus Atalanta?" Yes, they would, and he he thinks otherwise. This guy is clearly in orbit. He's got to make a the commentator. It, it's, it's funny that that whole uh, the whole conversation in that in that game about that it was pretty. For, are we giving credit to Jerry Mancini on Jerry, on this or on credit on Jerry on this? Okay, because Art wins too much. Is that what we're doing? We're, well, we're he doing got more in this, so he's not he's not out of the woods yet. So, okay, okay. Uh, our friend Nima uh, at Nima Tavrud uh, Brozovic as regista, Barella as trequartista, and Erickson as substitutista. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. That was good. Well played. Good. Well, you wanted Art, and you get Art. Art Morelli. Uh, Jenna Royds versus Jim Piaroids. <laughs> it's a picture of Mertens and Ossiman. <laughs> oh, geez. <laughs> oh. Ay, ay, ay. Okay. Uh, let's see. Um, official uh, official SSC Napoli. This was presented to us uh, by um, 
our friend Rafa over there at the Fire from Vesuvius podcast. La SSN ci tiene a fare gli auguri al Atalanta BC per i suoi. Oh God, I did the number one hundred and thirteen. My 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 Italian is is. You'll be forgiven. I don't know if Steve will forgive you, but I can't count that high. Ani. <laughs> 113 Ani, screw it. Uh, I'll mix. Uh, which is the, the SSCN is keen to do the Auguri at Atalanta BC for its 113 years. The A replaced with a four and the I replaced with a one. <laughs> That's throwing shade. Oh, man. Uh, next one on the list is uh, Mark Galliani at ACMARUK. He says a goal every five, a goal every 45 minutes, 163 year olds, 163 years old. So you look at the <laughs> Goal scores in the league and Zlatan scoring a goal every 45 minutes. That's ridiculous. Uh, every Lanzano's up there too. It's every goal every 60 minutes. So, but yeah, funny. Zlatan is old. I don't know if he's quite 163, but he's he's getting there. He's getting there. He was uh he wasn't talking about Pandev, huh? No, he wasn't. So no, he wasn't. Oh man, Juan Donata is, is on the board with her hugging Icardi. See no more no high derby. Uh, felicitaciones, uh, a mis amigos del Milan. <laughs> Without love in the derby, it's just so funny. This is so funny how you see this. You know, there's no love in the derby, you know, from Wanda. And she says, you know, congratulations to my friends in Milan, totally throwing shade at Milan. Uh, with this, it's beautiful. Uh, yeah, it's on Instagram, but hey, someone tweeted it on uh, on uh, Twitter, so we'll count that, right? <laughs> uh, all right, all right, what do we got next? Caserta Campagna is back on the board. Or actually, he nominated uh, at uh, Zilu Life, uh, Z I E L U L I F E. Ecco come pensava fosse questo campionato il maestro Andrea Pirlo, tabolino e subutio. <laughs> this is how Maestro Andrea Pirlo thought his championship was: coffee table and subutio. <laughs> it's funny how we keep sticking you with all the Italian ones. <laughs> Love a Sabutio. My Italian sounded good today, too. Um, Sabutio making a comeback and turning up on the Who Won Calcio Twitter contest. Yeah, That's look at that. Pretty slick. So you got uh, the next one here? Yep. Next one, another one from Nino uh, at ASR Curva Sud 1927. Hey, at sit down. I still can't believe how Lazio came back from a 3 0 defeat to beat Sampdoria 4 3. Much respect from the Romanisti. And he totally photoshopped the scoreline. <laughs> Put four for Lazio, and the goal scorers were David Silva in the 91st minute, uh, Kumbula in the 92nd minute, Immobile in the 94th minute, and Piola in the 97th minute. Epic comeback by Lazio. <laughs> Would have been funnier if it was Canalia in the ninety-fourth minute, and not Immobile. This is this one's going to be up there in, in the in the. This is a good. That, that's a good one. That is a good one. Uh, Santurnian at Santurnian ninety-six. Uh, can't believe the hardest game Milan faced this season was Rio Ave. This was <laughs> after winning the Derby. Awesome, that was a great tweet. I was, I definitely laughed hard at that one. Yep. Yep. Uh, we had Napoli involved in the tweets earlier. Now we have uh, AS Roma English as well. Uh, and it was uh, the music after the game. So this all started from Scott Monroe, a uh, friend of the show. He says that whoever AS Roma is in charge of the goal music loved the Blink-182 choices. And so they played all the smallings. Get it? <laughs> Nicely done, AS Roma. Very, uh, very smart. Um, Let's see what we got next. Oh, that's where we did that one. 
Uh, blah, blah, blah. I know there's another one for art. Here we go. Hey, Andrew Chesare gets one in here. Yeah, he gets it. Uh, was the okay? Yeah, let's read yeah, this, this one. one. This is from La Liga, but I thought it was pretty funny. Frustrated Valencia fans have hired a mariachi band to follow the club's directors. <laughs> and they just literally they fall around town and play music around. <laughs> that's gonna be awesome to watch it. Uh, that's all right, all right. That's I'm, I'm upset that no one, you know, no one uh, gave me credit for mine. But whatever, it can be a little lewd. I get it. But here, the king is back uh, looking for a three-peat or a third title. Uh, Mr. Art Morelli says uh, so. IFTV came out with a post and it says, who makes the bigger differences for his clubs, Laton or Ronaldo? So naturally, Art's going to chime in on this for his point. He says, the answer is obviously CR7. He has single-handedly bankered Juventus, turning them into a debt-ridden wasteland. It's so bad to win the Champions League that they've turned to a rookie manager who only two weeks ago turned in his thesis double paper, double space and Futura font size. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Art. Oh, Art. Oh, goodness. Oh, Art. All right. We got some good ones. Yeah, yeah, we got some good. It's tough ones. Uh, if you guys are in the chat, what was your favorite ones? Uh, there were some good ones in there. Um, mine, my personal one, I'm gonna go with uh, the hardest match being Rio Ave Saturnia '96 or whatever his, whatever his handle is. Uh, that Cent was funny. Cento Tridiki. There we go. Cento Tridiki. I just was I I I I brain farted over it when I was when I was reading it. So. But it happens. Yeah, so, so I can count. I can count. I know that two is greater than one. This is true. <laughs> and Teresa knows that too now. Yeah. yeah. So, what was, what was your favorite? What was your favorite? Oh album? my! Uh, I, I, you know what? Just for the nostalgia, I, you know what? I'm, I'm torn. I, I, I love the Sabudio one. I thought um, you were going to say Wanda. <laughs> uh, the Wanda one is great. Um, Subutio, Wanda, and uh, uh, ASR Curva Sud 1927 is in there, I think, as a nominee, and then uh, Saturnian. Yeah, uh, I think it's down to those four. Yeah, I, got I like I like Saturnian 96 with the, with the Rio Ave comment. I, I laughed really hard. I laughed the hardest out of all the ones. <laughs> that was the funniest one for me because maybe it was so unexpected. I don't know. Um, <laughs> Steve, Me reading said, the number in Italian has to be the winner, huh? Ah, <laughs> oh, Stevie. It's actually, <laughs> I, I have to confess, it's actually pathetic. I don't know that much Italian. You know, I know enough to, I know enough to get by. And, you know, I, I, I don't think I've ever had to count that high in Italian. So, <laughs> Stevie says, ah, oh, Madonna mia. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, when I'm dealing with calcio, when am I ever using the number 113? And maybe I might end up using it on somebody's career goals, but or with Atalanta scoring a goal here and there, or well, they could score 113 goals this season, right? Oh yeah, they might probably they might actually. So so uh, so do we have a winner? I mean, hey, I'm going with uh, uh, you know what the 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 Sabutio the the Sabutio one is great yeah, uh, yeah. from at at Zulu Life. Uh, I mean the creativity to bring Sabutio back into the into our lives. Get some credit, bonus credit for that. So yep. So that's my winner. And I'll go Saturnian '96. Uh, the Rio Ava comment. That's that's a winner for me. Sorry, Art, you didn't get your third title this time. All right. I'm putting that in right now. Okay. Very good. 
All right. Uh, so that is my winner. And then your winner, you said, was Saturnian? 96, yes. He has been on the board before, but I think that this is a first win for him. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, if I'm not mistaken. So Saturnian, 96. Uh, uh, at R underscore Carmen selects this. I like I liked R. Morelli's one for sure, but the real Ave comment just got me laughing a little bit more than his did. So, Yeah, and for the nostalgia of winning the Derby. Yeah, well, that too. Uh, All right, there we are. So... Awesome. So we have a we have co-winners Santonia 96 and Zeal U Life uh, in there, and um, it looks like Art Morelli's already off to a start with uh, with uh, with with trying to win next week. Did you see what he just posted? No, I didn't. Sandro Tonali at Milan, and it's this video of this kid that is like got this sandwich in his hand, and he's dancing, and he falls, and he breaks his <laughs> wrist. <laughs> Uh, I expect All right. nothing. Else. All right. I think that's an early entry for next week. All so. right. Well, with that, I think we're uh, putting a bow on this edition of Serie A Sit Down. I'm going to stop embarrassing myself trying to count in Italian. Um, shameless plug time, Richard. Oh, yes. Yeah, shameless plug. Um, I'm going to, uh, let's see. I'm going to plug the people who've been on on the on the chat here, uh, especially those, you know, the podcast, you know, just Juve, Milan Weekly Podcast. Uh, and, and everyone who's been in the chat group, you guys were really amazing with all the comments and questions. Uh, good to see Lisi on here. It's been a while since seeing him on there. Yeah. George, as always, some of, the, some of the regulars. Speedy Gonzalez. So thank you to all for who, uh, who joined us on the chat. So thank you. Excellent. Excellent. You want to tell them where they can find you or are you just Oh, gonna... they can find me at uh, – where's this thing? There we go. At R underscore K-H-A-R-M-A-N on Twitter or anywhere on social media. I'm at FTC underscore 21. City I sit down. We have our own channel on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud. You can find us on Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, wherever there's podcasts. There is City I sit down. There's this YouTube channel. Drop a like, subscribe so that you can get notification for whenever we are ready to hit you with another edition of City I sit down or if we've got a special video out because we do those too. Um, at City I sit down on Twitter or Instagram, or you can follow us on Facebook as well. We're all over the social media circuit. Uh, and the uh, likes of Jack Dorsey and uh, Mark Zuckerberg find us to be too small to be confiscated or censored. So um, <laughs> we don't have to worry about that. That's right. Um, so uh, go to those social media play if you want to hear, if you got any questions uh, for us to answer on future podcasts or any topics that you want us to tackle. We'd love to. Uh, we'd love to hear it. We'd love to give you our uh, take on those. Um, we'll do it again next week. Milan, Roma, marquee game. Yeah. What else okay. we got on next week's slate? We might as well take a take a sneak peek at that uh, before we sign off. Uh, we said we had Sassuolo and Torino on uh, Friday. Saturday we have Atalanta, Sampdoria, Genoa, Inter, Lazio, Bologna. Mm-hmm. Uh, on Sunday we have Cagliari, Crotone. If you are an insomniac. Um, <laughs> Benevento, Napoli, Parma, Spezia, Fiorentina, Udinese, Juve, Hellas, Verona. Juve, Hellas, Verona will be halfway intriguing, actually. And then Milan, Roma on Monday. Celtic v. Milan on Thursday. Absolutely. Uh, looking forward to that. Thank you all. Chat. Awesome job. Uh, way to keep it entertaining. Way to uh, drop in the in- drop in with the input as well. Uh, love having you guys keep coming along. Keep uh, 
uh, making our show what it is. And for Richard, I am Frank. Thanks, y'all, as always. And be sure you tell your paisans about us. Ciao.